Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 175 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. Is it 175? I think I have to go back and check that. Let's just say it's 175 today. I feel like that's not right. <laughs> Is it 176? I'm losing track. I'm losing track. It's up there somewhere. Welcome to this episode of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the, oh, funny, I'm saying I'm losing track of time because I am the Saturnian creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadeboe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio. I am going to just hop in today's topic, hop into today's topic and get with it as fast as I can, with as little rambling as possible. Because time is of the essence. And I'm going to start with a quote that I put up on Facebook this morning by Benjamin Franklin. I need to not trip over my tongue today. Come on, Joanna. May my tongue and my brain be in perfect alignment for this episode. So mote it be. (laughs) Benjamin Franklin said, lost time is never found again. Lost time is never found again. How does that make you feel? (laughs) Gives me a lot of mixed emotions. Does it make you feel panicked? Does it make you feel inspired and motivated? Does it make you feel sad? Lost time is never found again. There's so much truth in that little sentence that it really makes you wonder when you think about it, like what is the deal with time and why is it such a relentless mofo? (laughs) Why? Why? That's what it makes me wonder anyway. And that is what I wanted to talk about here today. Time, Saturn, Kronos with a K and a C-H, Father Time. Uh, an old, 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 old archetype that goes by many names and represents a lot of different things. Death, Satan, restrictions, structure, fear. And that's the theme for September. (laughs) I'm not even kidding about that. Um, I actually don't know what to call the theme. I did a mega vlog, uh, as I do at the top of every month. I did one last Thursday to kick off September. And I did not like the way I described the theme for the September, because I'm trying to get around calling the theme Saturn, because I know not everybody has a connection to Saturn or is interested in astrology or mythology. I was trying to keep it broad, but I can't even remember exactly what I said, (laughs) something about the restrictions of time. I was like, ooh, that's sexy. (laughs) Saturn ain't a sexy guy, Um, but he's interesting. And I promise you that if you hang with me for the month of September, by the end of it, you will see that He is here to serve you, this energy. I'm going to call him a he because he's 
almost always depicted as a he. And that's really kind of how I experience that kind of energy. It feels very masculine to me, uh, very Capricornian, very uh, linear, structured, uh, relentless in a way. And uh, Kronos, um, at one point in history, was depicted as an old man wielding a harvest so like that big old long hooked knife, I guess, for lack of a better word, that farmers used to use back in the day to, to harvest wheat and corn and things like that. Um, so that was how he was personified, I guess. That was the image that people had of him for a long time. And then that image later kind of morphed into um, what we now fearfully regard as Dun, 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 the Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper, baby. Do you know that song? It's by a band called The Entrance Band. It is so good. It will set your butt on fire. <laughs> Go to YouTube and look up The Grim Reaper by Entrance Band if you need to make friends with Saturn. Just saying. Um, but isn't that an awesome piece of imagery to consider now as we are fast approaching the autumn equinox and the fall harvest? Because what first began as a man bringing into bringing the harvest in, you know, with this scythe, as we we first just pictured him as a harvester, which is fairly friendly. <laughs> he was a symbol that we can happily relate to, to the beginning of fall, even now today, with when it's all apples and pumpkins and orange and red and yellow and green, and it's all so lovely sweater weather, the season of pumpkin, everything. And then as we move into the cold and everything starts dying around us and the veil thins, that very same image, that very same archetype takes on a more sinister form just in time for Samhain or Halloween, the Day of the Dead, he becomes the Grim Reaper, the harvester of souls. Yes, yes, my witchy friends, the season of Saturn is upon us. <laughs> That is an accident, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's cosmically timed just perfect. But in my life, in my experience, it is an accident that I developed this fascination with Saturn all summer and then decided to devote September, which is the month of the harvest moon and the month that we move into the autumn equinox, I decided to devote it to Saturn. It was a happy accident. So now I think it's going to be really hard to move through future autumns without thinking of it as the season of Saturn, <laughs> the season of the witch, the season of Saturn. I don't know. All of it starts to blend in. All of these archetypes to me, they start to have relationships with each other because really an archetype is just an energetic pattern that is re represented within us all. It's like one little piece of you that you pull out and you look at. So we all have Saturn in us. If you're into astrology, we all have Saturn in our natal chart. Saturn or Kronos also, interestingly, was depicted in Greco-Roman mosaics as a man turning the zodiac wheel. So in some regards, he is also the ruler of the entire zodiac. He's the dude turning the wheel, which I will talk about in more detail in this Thursday's video. Um, I've got a lot to say this about this today, so I might end up doing a part two for Patreon. We'll just see 
we'll just see how time treats me today. Yuck, yuck, yuck. I realize time is a word I say a lot too. Do we all say time a lot or is it just me? <laughs> In the meantime, um, I will be talking about uh, the fortune card in Tarot this Thursday and how it relates to all of this and how it relates to Kronos and Saturn. In the Zodiac, Kronos is called Saturn as he goes there by his Roman name. But for the Greeks, he was Kronos. I've been spelling Kronos with a K because of Robert Moss largely. And I just, you know, magic with a K, <laughs> everything with a K. Um, and I think that's a very, very old Greek spelling with a K, ancient Greece. And then it became C-H. So we're, anyway, regardless of how you spell it, we're going to use Kronos and Saturn and time interchangeably here today. And just to keep things moderate and fresh, we should note too that Kronos is responsible to this day for words like chronological, chronic, chronicles. We use Kronos all the time. We invoke his name all the time. Time, time, there he is again. <laughs> Kronos means time and his mythology is super interesting when you consider the relentless nature of time and how this archetype is really vilified when you start getting into astrology you learn um i would say in mod recent modern new agey times we've tried to like make friends of everything we've tried to put like a happy hippie veneer on every tarot card and every astrological archetype and even the shadow. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing too, but I do think Saturn has been unfairly vilified. And what really struck my um, imagination and, and sucked me in largely was the way he's equated with Satan. And they are often depicted in a similar way with the little beard and the horns. Saturn rules the sign of Capricorn, which is like a goat man um, or a sea goat. He's got a couple of different, uh, sorry, my little earbud is falling out here. I need a good microphone, people. I'm using, I'm using like Apple earbuds with the built-in microphone. <laughs> anyway, um, the mythology of Kronos in a nutshell, a little tiny piece of it in a nutshell, is that um, Kronos ate his own children. And he was not beloved. He was feared. And I believe that this is why we now equate him with Saturn or with uh, Satan to a large degree and how Saturn came to be equated with the devil um, and, and is now one of the most vilified archetypes in astrology because time eats its own children. Time gives us birth. And then time consumes us one by one by one. And I do think, I mentioned this in the, in the mega blog, but it bears repeating because I know not all of you watch my videos, but I think we have, we hope we are infinite beings. Some of us, myself included, would say we know we are. Like we have an innate sense of being infinite beings of some kind. We might not know what happens to us once we die here on this planet, but we have this strong instinct that that's not the end, that we go on. And so because of the nature of time, um, I feel like we resent that and we fear that finality of like the end game here on life. And just the way time just like eats away every moment, you know, time steals your childhood, time steals 
the romance out of a beautiful relationship. Time steals your innocence. Time, I mean, time steals your beauty. It eats it. It gobbles it up. And we don't like that. (laughs) So I think on the one hand, we fear it maybe just because of the unknown. Um, Or we, we loved being beautiful so much. And we have a hard time going forth and finding the power in not being beautiful, which I think we are a youth. I think we, most of us can agree. We are a youth centric culture and we, we see, we equate youth with beauty. So finding the beautiful and the old and the decaying um, is, is really interesting when you start thinking about time and how we fear it and we don't like it and we resent it. So he's got this mythology about eating his own children Um, I personally happen to have both a Pluto, another vilified character, strongly, you might argue Saturn and Pluto are the two that people ill will toward. (laughs) I happen to have both Pluto and Saturn dominant in my natal chart. So, the jokes on all of you who think me silly. (laughs) I am really an agent of death. I do have my dark side. I really, really do have my dark side. And I I wonder sometimes um, if that shows. Like, (laughs) um, to me, it is always apparent. But I know that my, like, bubbly, Libran, happy hippie exterior can throw people off the scent of that trail sometimes. And then they're, like, shocked (laughs) when my dark side comes out. Like, I remember when I first was doing my band, Obedient Waves, and it was just like, what? who is this person? I was like, it's the real me. Fuck everybody. Ah! (laughs) Um, And I'm not going to talk about Pluto here today because that is a monster subject that I haven't even really gotten fully into myself. So I'm not going to talk about it here today or any day for a good long while, because I think it's going to be a good long while before I'm ready to move on from Saturn. Um, I have become so deeply obsessed with this archetype and have so many had this summer, so many dazzling aha moments um, that resulted from actively working with that energy all summer long, really, um, that I know now I'm really just at the very beginning of this journey. I'm at the tip of the iceberg of learning about Saturn, which is why, too, in a roundabout way, I will be talking about the themes of Saturn all September. And one of those themes is time. Time. You have to pull out each theme one at a time. (laughs) How many times will I say time during this episode? I don't know. I'm like hyper aware of it now. And it just seems to be like leaking into every sentence. (laughs) Um, but you have to pull the themes out like that one at a time to explore because it's, it's an ancient archetype, which means there's a lot of different stories and images attached to it, largely things that we, and let me bring this around to you. And what is it to you, the Saturn archetype? Why should you care? I think I should probably mention how one might actively work with that energy. Since I'm saying I actively worked with that energy this summer, we were in a Saturn retrograde. So I kind of came into my fascination with Saturn through an intellectual standpoint um, that I guess started around the time of the retrograde. It just sparked my curiosity. It just like grabbed me and was like, you will pay attention to me. (laughs) And then in working with it, uh, 
synchronicity started happening around this energy. And I started feeling like I was working with this really strict teacher, this kind of like taskmaster that was showing me personally, I'll talk about this later, because I definitely want to talk about fear at some point in the month, I will do an episode here or a video or a newsletter, something talking, getting, diving into the subject of fear. Um, because a lot of what I did this summer and working with him is he was working with me. I, I did not invite him to show me my fears and the prison that I've created around myself with fear, the walls that I can't push beyond uh, because Saturn represents restrictions in a lot of ways and structure. And uh, I kept thinking of the image of the eight of swords in Tarot. It's that kind of damsel in distress character. And she's imprisoned with these swords all around her, but it's, she can walk out at any time. Like the ropes tied around her are very, very loose. And she could just take off the blindfold and walk out at any moment, but she doesn't because her mind swords represent your mind. It's created this trap of fear. So I just went off on that tangent and I said I wasn't going to do that because I just want to talk about time today. But I just wanted to demonstrate for you how when you engage with an archetype, it will engage you back. And you can accept the invitation or not, but I, I think Saturn is one of those first he's going to hit you with a rock then he's going to hit you with a bigger rock. Then he's going to hit you with a boulder. I think when it's time to learn those lessons, it's time to learn those lessons. And you can do it consciously and willingly or suffer. <laughs> so that I decided I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to do what this dude says because I do not want to suffer. And it was very enlightening to like be presented with a fear I have that I have not up until this point been able to move beyond. And then to just kind of sit with it and be like, yep, nope, I can't move beyond it. No, but to recognize the fear, because we lie to ourselves. We don't say, I'm afraid, I can't do this thing. We say, I have this reason, I have this excuse, I blame this thing, this thing is in front of me. But when you bring it back to yourself and you realize, holy shit, I like literally cannot take a step forward and there's no reason why not. It's just fear. So that's how Saturn was working with me. And I guess I kicked off that process by getting curious and diving into all things Saturn. So how could you actively work with that energy? I don't know, but I have some ideas how, for how you could start playing around with it and maybe getting its attention <laughs> to see if it wants to work with you. One way um, to do that is what those of us are doing in the psycho-spiritual wheel of the year group, um, we're just starting to, you can do it anytime you want, um, but we're just starting to now for the autumn equinox module. The autumn equinox is, I think, September 22nd. Uh, so we're working with the autumn equinox themed module right now, and we're doing a project called the reward board, which involves tracking and measuring um, I guess the, the progress of each day for 30 days on XYZ, whatever you're trying to make progress on. You're measuring the product of each day for 30 days. Like what are you producing in those 30 days and doing it intentionally. And we're segmenting out one chunk, one 30 day chunk of time that way. And then making the effort to really engage with that time in a way that serves our personal goals and desires. So if that, 
sounds fun or interesting or weird enough to check it out, <laughs> there's a link in the um, description box for whatever blog talk radio, follow that back, or just go to my website and in the top uh, navigation bar, there's a link that says books and programs and you'll find it super easy, super easy to find. Um, essentially though, time management is what we're working with there. Time management is one obvious way to try to work with this energy. And I say try because the phrase time management is almost a contradiction in terms <laughs> when I think about it. It's like an oxymoron because really, can you manage time? Time is so full of twists and turns and surprises that I think that the very best we can do is try. We can try. <laughs> it's definitely worth the effort for sure. Um, but ultimately, it reminds me of that joke, want to make God laugh, tell her your plans. The same could be said of Saturn <laughs> and time management. Um, but it's definitely worth the effort for sure, for sure, for sure. At the very least, it will show you how you're spending your time, how you're wasting your time. And going back to that Benjamin Franklin quote about time lost is never found. It's going to show you the time that you've lost which gives you the power of like designing your future. Like, well, shit, man, do I really want to spend three hours a day on Instagram? <laughs> or do I want to spend that time playing with my kids or building my business or going to the gym and making a meal for my family so we can all be healthy? Like there's a lot you can do with three hours. Are you spending that much time looking at porn? Like really, really, really? Really? Is that what you want to do with your time? <laughs> so I think that's the best thing in time management and like actively engaging in a process like that because it, it shows you yourself. And then in showing you yourself, it gives you the power to choose maybe something else. Um, and if, if you like what you're doing with your time, it gives you, it's like a mirror. You get to be like, yes, right on. Good job, you. <laughs> Another way to actively work with this archetype is just to practice mindfulness. I talk about the power of now all the time, um, but you could spend some time, a weekend, a week, a day, half a day, just watching what happens to your emotional body when you escape from the clutches of the now and travel back into the memories of your past or the projections of your future, which is a very Neptunian thing to do. Saturn and Neptune are going to be Squaring off in a couple days here again, I believe on the 10th. So that would be a really good day. I think it's the 10th, September 10th. I could be wrong, but that's what's stuck in my head. So uh, let's just say for argument's sake, September 10th, Neptune and Saturn are going to be in a square. That would be a very interesting day to play around uh, with this kind of exploration. Um, so of course there's, there's value in both the strict task masterly energy of Saturn and then the dreamy imaginative vibes of Neptune and the trick is to get to a point where you don't have to choose one over the other um, so you're not just a dreamer who never gets shit done and then you're not like just a boring go do be humorless drone <laughs> somewhere in the middle um, so you know, you don't have to choose one or the other and you get to a point where they don't just end up canceling each other out, but to where they actually learn to play nice together and to work as a team. And again, keep in mind, we're just talking about two pieces of you. We're just pulling out two 
archetypes or energy patterns that exist within you as within so without they are represented in the planets in the sky that's just a way for symbolically trying to understand ourselves as best as we can um, so we all have the dreamer and the taskmaster within they're represented by neptune and saturn i hope that makes sense <laughs> as a creative person or a maker of magic um, what that might look like in learning to get those energies to play nice together is they could take turns. So it might look like going into that, is it Neptunian or Neptunian? I want to say Neptunian because it's the planet Neptune. Let's say Neptunian today and you can correct me if I'm wrong. So it might look like going into that Tunian space to craft a fantastic vision and to really stretch your mind toward the outer limits of possibility man because that's what Neptune likes to do and then with Saturn you like snap it back to reality like a rubber band like hitting your wrist like whack <laughs> but that sting it's not necessarily a bad thing because Saturn can then it's Saturn's turn he gets to help you bring that vision into reality if you will let it the structure of freedom. I did an episode here. I don't remember, if, you know, how well that episode came off, but I remember doing the episode and agreeing with myself and loving it. And that that's something that the structure of freedom, I recommend going back and finding that episode if you want to explore this idea more. But that's something that I have really, really learned uh, over the co course of running this business, you know, because I was so floaty, Plinky, plinky, plunky, fairy out there. <laughs> um, and that's what allows me to do so much of what I do. But without structure, it ain't shit. I'm not showing up here every Tuesday at noon, for example. So I didn't even know that I was working with Saturn as closely as I have been these last few years until really this spring. And I understood, oh, that's the archetype of the structure of freedom, which I was talking about gosh, was it 2014, maybe, maybe 2015. But that's when I started really noticing like, holy crap, the more structures you put in place, the more time expands. It like, it's just so good for a really creative person to start putting, especially if you work from home, or you make your own schedule, if you're a freelancer of some kind, um, or maybe you're a stay-at-home parent, you know how flabby your day can get, and like nothing ends up getting done. Um, if you're a creative person, you're just clinging to this thing that like, I need to be free. I have to be free. So you avoid structure at all costs. And really, I mean at all costs, because you don't get to see any of your creative babies get born because you're just jumping from thing to thing to thing to thing. So putting structure in place, it holds your creative babies. It allows them to be born and it shows, teaches you things about yourself. Um, but it also has the magical power to expand time because you're not wasting time wondering what you're going to do next or starting a bunch of unfulfilling projects that end up getting aborted down the road. Um, so I, I'm a big believer in the structure of freedom. I could just redo that show all over again right now, but I'll just reference it so you can go back and listen to it. But really what Kick-Ass Witch and Hippie Witch, what it's trained me to do is what I've been describing here. It helped ground down my creative, artsy, imaginative side so that I can actually do something productive with it, like hopefully be of service here for you. <laughs> um, and then something as I'm running out of time, 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 
Um, thank you for those of you who are supporting me on Patreon and those of you who have donated money to the show, because what you have allowed me to do is tack on extra time to each episode so that blog talk radio lady doesn't come cut me off like she would be doing right now when I realized I did not plan enough time for each episode. Because what I wanted to talk about is I said I had Saturn dominant in my natal chart, and I do. It's all over the place. And it's in square to some really strong energies. It's very interesting, but I have, to me, I'm sure not to you, um, I'm sure your natal chart is interesting to you if you're in it. But I will say I have Capricorn rising, which I did not understand for a very long time. It did not seem like me. Saturn rules Capricorn, remember. Um, but it's something I started growing into in my late 30s. And then finally it was like, hey, dude, Capricorn rising rocks. It rocks. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, but I have a point here because I wanted to talk about another archetype, which is Lilith, because Lilith is in Capricorn for me. So Saturn and Lilith are kind of hanging out there. And I recently listened to a very, very long, you have to be an astrology nerd to hang with this dude's podcast. And I can't even think of the name of it right now, but I'm sure you could find it if you Googled something about Saturn being a feminine archetype. He spent a long time, almost two hours, I think, going into great detail on the history of Saturn and asking, was Saturn ever a feminine archetype and I will just spoiler alert tell you right now if you don't have two hours to listen to that, that no <laughs> there is no definitive answer that Saturn was ever feminine and uh, as was ever a female archetype although it, it's up for debate you know because history is his story it was largely recorded by men um, but we don't have any documented evidence of that but this could just be because my Lilith is in Capricorn, but I was thinking, I had just been studying Lilith because Lilith is in Capricorn and I'm interested in all things Saturn. Uh, as I was listening to that episode and afterward as well, I was thinking, well, Lilith is kind of like the female Saturn. People fear her. They hate her. Um, and for many of the same reasons. So I started kind of regarding them as being the male and female equivalent of the same misunderstood energy in some ways. And I seem to specialize in misunderstood energy. <laughs> I always seem to find myself like standing up for the misunderstood. Um, Athena and now Saturn and Lilith, they're not bad. They're just drawn that way. <laughs> Uh, but Lilith goes, you know, back to the Bible, before the Bible. According to Jewish folklore, Lilith was the first wife of Adam. And she was banished from the Garden of Eden when she refused to make herself subservient to Adam. Um, specifically, as Wikipedia points out, she refused to get into the missionary. Ooh, I just whistled. The missionary position, I whistled while saying missionary position. <laughs> she refused to get into the missionary position with him during sex. Lilith on top, which reminds me of me saying that, like, is time management even possible? All you can do is try. And if Lilith is this sort of Saturnian energy, the female equivalent of it, it's like, no. I will not be your bitch. Time will never be your bitch. You are time's bitch, bitch. 
and let just be the way you be, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can try, you can try, but you will lose. Um, you know, and I think with sex, it's like this desire to procreate, to make life. And it's interesting that Lilith is like, yeah, I'll make life, but I'll make it on my own terms. And you're not going to pin me down, motherfucker. There will also be death. Lilith is, Lilith is a dark goddess, a goddess of death in many, many ways. Is time eating his children. So, um, yeah, I went down a major wormhole with that and thinking about uh, man. And when I say man, I mean it is in humankind's desire to control the female body, which is in a way a desire to control life and death. I think that men get a really bad rap as fearing and trying to control women's bodies, which they definitely have done. But I say they get a bad rap because I think we have to be honest here in saying that women have tried to do that too. We've all tried to do that. Um, we have all feared and tried to control our own bodies <laughs> at some point, and women especially, because our bodies are so very Saturnian. They are the keepers of time in the most seemingly violent, impossible to ignore way in blood and guts and death and cramps and labor and, and then the cessation of all of that um, when when menstruation stops and we realize we've lost our fertility and that what we're moving toward now is straight up death. We're all moving toward death. <laughs> There's my dark side and I'm, and I'm laughing. You're all like white knuckling your chairs. Like what the hell is this lady talking about? <laughs> we're all going to die. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> For me, that's, I don't, um, God, I've said this a million times too, but my mom used to always say when I was a kid, you're so morbid. Why are we talking about this? But for me, it's, and I've said it a jillion times, death is a reminder to live. I keep a picture of myself um, right after I was born. I keep it in this little pink picture frame. I've moved it all around my house, but I always keep it where I can regularly see it. And I'll be like, hi, me. You may have seen me point to it. And I've shown it in a few videos, just the most recent mega vlog. It's hanging out in my book closet right now um, on a shelf. But <laughs> I always say, that's me on my very first day. Because I still can't believe that's me on my very first day. And I've been on this crazy, wild journey. I'm about to have my 43rd birthday at the end of this month. And I'm just like, dude, but look at what a little peanut I was. And that's time, man. That's time in a picture frame. <laughs> um, but that might be another interesting way to just sort of start flirting with the idea of time and how time gets inside of you and it moves things around. It fucks with your emotion. I'm sorry I'm swearing a lot here. We're talking about death. We have to swear. It's, it's <laughs> a prerequisite. Um, but how much emotion does it stir up in you when you look at a photo of yourself when you were a little kid? Or better yet, if you don't feel that from looking at yourself, looking at a picture of your kids or, if you're, or your parents when they were very, very young. And what is it that's like pulling on your heart, that's like tugging on your guts, that might make you cry or laugh or feel something or just have sort of a reverence for the passage of time? 
look at a photo of your grandparents when they were very, very young and very beautiful. And it might give you that like, whew, whoa, it, it like it's a wake up call. And that's what Saturn is. <laughs> um, but like I said, death and Saturn and time, it's a reminder to live, to live, live, really live. Um, that is what time is here to teach us. Like sand through, the, through an hourglass. These are the days of our lives. <laughs> I'm going to spare you in talking about Mad Men in great depth again. Have I talked about Mad Men here? I know I have it on Patreon. I know I have in a couple of my mega vlogs. I know I have in my personal life. Like people are just going to start hanging up on me because I can't stop talking about it. But um, I will tell you what really made me want to start talking about time this week was Mad Men. <laughs> this Saturday, I settled in. Let, let's go back. My birthday is on September 29th. I knew that I was coming to the end of Mad Men and that I would be very, very upset about it. So I bought myself Time Magazine, or is it Life Magazine? I forget which. <laughs> I bought myself a magazine um, where the cover story is, I bought it on eBay, like a past uh, issue of uh, The Last Days of Mad Men, because I knew I would be ending it around my birthday, and then I would have something fun to read, because I knew I wouldn't be done with it. I'm so obsessed with Mad Men, which is such about what I was saying just now about looking back at pictures, old pictures, and how time marches on. It's so fascinating the way that really shows how the 60s shaped the America we live in now, if, if you live in America, and, and the changes that all these characters went through. But anyway, to make a long story short, <laughs> I was planning to watch season eight in September. Don't laugh at me if you've already watched Mad Men because, spoiler alert, you already know where I'm going with this, I'm going to assume. <laughs> but I'm, so I'm watching the final episode of season seven. I'm bawling my head off. It's so poignant. You're so experiencing the passage of time and this huge cultural shift. And I'm just devastated and I'm crying. And if you watch Netflix, you know when an episode ends, a little window comes up with the next episode, even if you're moving into another season. Well, when the episode ended, that window did not come up. In its place came up a little five-star system like, what do you rate this series? And I was like, what just happened? What just happened? No! And I went running to Google, and Google is such a liar, because if you put in Mad Men season, it finishes your sentence and says season eight. So anytime I did that, it said Mad Men season eight. So I always assumed there was a season eight, but what I learned on Saturday is that there is no season eight, and that that episode was the last episode of the whole thing. And this is how deeply, deeply... <laughs> crazy I am. I went to bed crying. I was, I was just moved by the whole episode, but then upset that the whole thing was over. And then I woke up the next morning, Sunday morning, and I could not stop crying. <laughs> I went out into my foyer into this little dresser that I have in there and busted out my birthday present. And I read that article about the final days of Mad Men. And then I'm like, why am I so upset about this? What, what is going on? Why am I crying? And um, I just realized it's just about time. It's about 
it hits on my, the own thing, my themes of my own life, relationships, loves I've had, and, and they're over now. And, um, kids growing up and marriages and divorces and the end of an era, the loss of a job, the end of a job. I remember, uh, my last day at Natural Energy Lab, a music marketing firm I worked with, I had worked there for two years very closely with my boss. Like much of the time, it was just the two of us in a room. I learned so much. And uh, <laughs> he picked on me a lot in a, in a loving way, I think. He was like kind of a grumpy character, but I realized how much I loved him at the end of all of it. I couldn't, I couldn't work that day. I, it was like the end of Mad Men. I just bawled my head off to the point where he's like, you have to go. Like, it's over. Like, get out of here. Like, you don't need to finish your last day. Just go home. I was like, all right. I was such a mess. I have a hard time with endings and with time. And I think with Mad Men, if you haven't seen it, God, I so recommend it. I could be the ma- official Mad Men spokes person because um I think it's the best thing I've ever seen ever um we've really moved out of the era of tv being like looked down upon and being like you know second to movies um long form television has really become elevated to the point of like some of it oscar caliber movies and Mad Men is at oscar caliber caliber level for 92 hours <laughs> think about that and then think about all the hours it took to make each one of those hours talk about time but it's really fascinating to um it's the history of it I think is what so is what really grabbed me so I recommend checking that out and I'm just going to leave you with a couple of catchphrases because I really am running out of time and blog talk is going to cut me off here but um time is relentless Time will kick your ass. It's true. But also just think about all these little catchphrases we have in our culture and how that and how they can be of service to you. How, you know, there's light and dark and everything and no archetype is entirely like light and no archetype is entirely dark, including Saturn. So think about things like time heals everything. Give it time. Building trust over time, building your relationship over time, earning your reputation over time. Time, time is not on our side. The Rolling Stones are a liar. (laughs) Yeah, that's my episode today, people. I love you. I missed you. When I take a hiatus, I actually miss you, and I have conversations with you in my head. Thank you so much. For those of you who have left me reviews, I see there's three brand new five-star reviews on iTunes. I was so giddy and dancing around my living room when I was reading them. You guys are so awesome for putting up with my crying and my laughing and my rambling and all the times that I trip over my tongue. Sometimes I can't even believe you're still there listening to me. I love you to pieces. Thank you so much for making this possible Um, I did not know this was a dream I had, but it's a dream now. (laughs) I love doing Hippie Witch. Yay. Happy September, everybody. Much love. Peace.